Good morning. Good morning. Let's see. I might have muted myself. No, I didn't. Okay. I was playing with the button. Um, can you hear me? Good. If not, I'll just yell. We will get through it. Um, man, good morning. So glad to be here with you guys this morning and just to celebrate uh, what God is doing um, and what God's been doing. Amen. Thank you, man. Um, through the smoke, I don't even know if you're there if you're quiet like that. I love it. Um, good morning. Let's try that. Thank you. Uh, you can at least fake life, right? Um, and then, uh, let's, what else did I say? Is we're here to celebrate what God is doing and has done. That was, a, um, yeah, maybe we should get the cues. We can applause, yell here, we could do that. Um, we will get you guys eventually. Um, man, I'm so excited to be here, really. Um, I know I'm messing with you, but I just believe that when God's people gather, it ought to be a celebration, right? Like God's, I don't know if you know this or not, God's done something and that something is worth celebrating. So an amen every once in a while is okay. Not going to arrest you, not going to throw you out. Uh, a little shout every once in a while is okay. Uh, I know that we don't have a denomination out there. So just feel free to do whatever, as long as whatever looks excited about what God has done. Um, but this morning, uh, we're, we're going to get into Matthew 28. So if you're a Bible, you can go there. But I do just want to say a couple quick things about Good Friday. Um, three people were there. That is amazing. Um, if you didn't notice, we had a slideshow at the beginning, and we kind of just clipped through a couple pictures. I'm going to watch that later from Not Stage so I can maybe get a better idea of, of some of those pictures. Um, they were great. Thank you for taking those. Um, and, and I know that um, you had some help, but man, just what an awesome um, event last Friday was, just to see um, God do something out in the middle of our city, that we can go to a place that doesn't have walls, that maybe isn't dark the whole time, right, and, and we can just lift up the name of Jesus in, in that place. It's an amazing thing. It really is, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it, and I'm really excited to be part of a, a group of people that want to take that on. There's not a lot of us. I don't know if you know that or not, um, and, and that's a big thing. It's an amazing thing, um, and I just want to let you know that um, God does things when we do things, right? I said, I think, um, the week before we did that, that this week, I want you to pray like you've never prayed before, and then I want you to ask people to show up, and then I want you to see what God will do, and I just want to say God did some amazing things, and I know that maybe for some of us, if you're on stage, maybe it's hard to tell, and if you're off stage, maybe it's hard to tell, but um, believe it or not, there were people there that are not church people. That's just the truth, right? There are people there that are not church people, and that makes, to me, honestly, every expense worthwhile. See, what we don't want to do is spend a bunch of money to go have a concert for Christians in the middle of our city, because that's a waste of time, effort, and energy. You have enough entertainment. But what we do want to do is to go out and to, to people that wouldn't normally come in a place like this, open a door and say, hey, there's something amazing in this place. And it's not music, although music may get them there. And it's not a message, although a message may get them there. It's the person the music and the message is about. And I don't know if we have, I think I have one picture maybe back there um, that we just pulled off the slideshow. I don't know if we can find that. Yeah, um, I don't know if you can see this. Hopefully you can, but... Um, these two people, I don't know who they are, and they're not here today, so I don't feel bad doing this, but um, I don't know if you can see this or not, but this is a beer can. 
this right here. That's what it is. Um, I think that's amazing. Some of you thought I was going to say something hateful about that right then. You were getting nervous. That is the reason that we do this. I had a friend from work that came and they stayed. I don't know if you were there. It was cold. They stayed for almost all of the music. And he was telling me the next day at work, he, he said, man, that was awesome. He said, I came in and I sat down and he said, there was a couple in front of me, a cute couple, and they were holding hands and worshiping at the same time. That was Tasha and John. Um, you probably saw pictures of that. Love you. Um, and then he said there was another couple that came in and he sat right in front of them. And I was like in couple section. It was weird, but he said, I, I thought it was awesome. He said, this man and this woman sat down and they both had a beer can in their hand. And he said, um, I don't know what you're doing, but you're playing some song and you got to the big part. And she was like, yeah. And she just held that beer can up and was celebrating what that song was saying. And I heard that and I thought, man, that's the most amazing thing. That's the most amazing thing. That's why we do actually what we do, because there's no way that she would come in this place with that. Right. There's no way she would feel comfortable in this place with that. But I just want you to know today, um, I, I don't know the state of that lady's heart. I can't say that. Um, but to me, man, what evidence, right? Obviously not a church person because we don't usually bring that in here. <laughs> um, but what an amazing thing that God would do that he would invite us into the middle of our city. And he would send people that don't need condemnation and judgment. They don't need somebody checking them at the door saying, hey, do you have anything you're not supposed to have in here? They just need an open door that says, come in and see what God will do. Come in and listen to who this God is. Come in and listen just a little bit about this man we call Jesus. And see, reality is, I don't care what she brings in that place. I don't, it doesn't bother me at all what anybody brings in that place because I hope they leave with this message that Jesus is the only one worth anything. See, the truth is we all bring junk to church all the time, right? And it's this opportunity for God to do something amazing. And I just want you to know, it was such an amazing thing to me to hear that story, to see as we got done with the message, um, people stand and respond to what God was doing. I, I don't know if you knew this, there's probably between five and ten people that stood up and said, hey, I, I want to pray this prayer with you today to make Jesus my Savior. What an amazing thing God would let us do. God uses very small people to do very big things. That's the story of, of God. He uses very small people to do very big things, and I'm just thankful to get to be part of that. If you helped with that, thank you. If you had anything to do with that in any way, thank you. Uh, I do want to say, Jeff, thank you. Um, Jeff works behind the scenes. You'd never know Jeff probably did stuff, right? <laughs> it's like Jeff is quiet, and, and, and Jeff, like, he's roaming around doing technology stuff all the time. But Jeff booked it. Um, Jeff talked to the lady. I had to go to one meeting, and I don't know what I'm doing. And Jeff did all those things. And um, I just want to say, because nobody would know you did that if we didn't say it from the stage. It's just thank you for that. Um, he made that. Um, he, he made light sound um, and, and venue possible for us by talking to those people. And I just um, thank you for that. There's other people that did amazing things. Um, I'm not going to start saying all of them because I'll miss somebody and then you'll get offended. But just know if you helped, I'm thankful uh, and I love you. But this morning, um, I just want to talk about that idea that God uses very small people to do very big things. And I'll talk about that through Matthew 28. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. Um, and, and we're going to just pray really quick. God, we just thank you for your word.
God, we thank you that you're going to say amazing things this morning. And God, I pray that you'll just help me, um, Jesus, to, to be the vessel that you say those through. God, I, I don't know anything. I can't do anything. Uh, it's not me. It's all you. So God, this morning, we're just praying not for fancy words, but a powerful representation of the Spirit, God, that you would just change us, God. Because I may be able to talk people into a thing, but God, you can change lives forever. So God, this morning, that's what we're praying for. That's the power of the church. The power of the church is not songs. It's not a band. It's not smoke and lights. It's not mirrors. It's not a, it's not a messenger. It's just the message. And God, this morning, I pray you'll glorify yourself and glorify the message about yourself. God, that you'll elevate it to the important status that it should have in the church. God, that you will again make this the focal point, the thing, that God, this would be the moment, God, that we can lean to. God, we love you and we thank you for what you're going to do, what you're going to say. And we just pray, God, that you'll move in this place. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And this morning, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 28. I already said that. We're going to start a new series this morning called The Good News. Yeah. Thank you, three people. That's great. It's good news for us. Um, I'm so excited about this, and I know that you hear that, and you're like, okay, well, I know what the good news is. We're just going to talk about the gospel for the next few weeks, and we always talk about the gospel, and that's true, and I hope we never get away from that. And if you don't like it, go somewhere where they never talk about the gospel and see where that gets you. Um, I can't get over the gospel. I can't get over the good news. The good news is all I got. Because if not for the good news, I'm dead in my trespasses and my sins. I'm separated from God, and I'm headed towards hell. I never want to get over the good news. Some of you are like, oh, there's other things. Yes, there are. But man, they all start out of that moment. We don't start with reading our Bible. We start out of, man, I'm captivated by Jesus because of what he's done. And that flows over into everything else. And this morning, we're going to start talking about the good news, specifically um, the gospel. I know that we hear the good news all the time or the gospel all the time, but let's just talk about maybe for uh, a minute what the news is. The news definition is coming up here queuing it ready there we go news is newly received or noteworthy information especially about recent or important events that's just what news is that's the definition of news newly received or noteworthy information especially about recent or important events now we know that we're looking at the good news and the good news is not newly received right the gospel is not newly received, it may be to us personally, but not to the planet. Jesus came about, what, 2,000 plus years ago now, give or take, and uh, he, he did all the stuff that he was going to do, and he ascended into heaven, and now we tell this story. It's not a new story, but it is an important story. It's a noteworthy story. It's a story worth talking about even today. And it should be the centerpiece of our church. It should be the centerpiece of our lives. It should be the centerpiece of, of everything that we do, this gospel, this good news of Jesus. And the cool thing about news is news is meant to be talked about, right? News is not something that we kind of hoard and take in for ourselves. It's not something we stick in our back pocket. News is something that's meant to be shared. That's why we have news on the television, right? We have these news broadcasts or we have these newspapers. It's a way to kind of disseminate or share this information that we can put it out there and everybody has access to it. And that's exactly what God meant to happen with the gospel story. Amen. Hallelujah, right? 
That's true this morning. I don't know if you like that or not. I don't care if you like that or not. That's what God meant to happen with the gospel. The gospel is a story, and stories are meant to be told. It's the good news. It's not the decent news or the okay news or the bad news. It's the good news. Actually, it's the greatest news there ever has been because ever since the beginning, right, we were created to be with God. Three chapters in, we messed it up, and because of that, we were all sentenced to death because of our trespasses and our sins. But the good news is, right, that's the bad news. You're all dead. Hallelujah. The good news is you don't have to stay that way. Because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus means to get that information out. He wants people to know the story. Stories are meant to be told. The gospel. But he didn't create like, um, what is it, TBN? No? Okay. Yeah, Bible Network, whatever it is. Yeah, he didn't create that specifically, right, to, to take care of that problem for us. He didn't create Lifeways so they could write magazines to to. to solve that problem for us. Jesus actually has a way to disseminate that information, but it's not a paper, and it's not, a, a, it's not some broadcast. It's the church. Jesus' one plan, the only plan to, to, to share the gospel was the church. Amen. I'm going to just keep saying amen until you say amen back to me, so you might as well do it and we'll move on, or you'll be here a long time. Either one's fine with me. That's just truth this morning. And I know we don't like to hear this truth. Actually, I tried to talk myself out of this for like an hour and a half because I know we don't like to hear this truth. I'm actually so discouraged about Matthew 28 that I almost didn't preach it this morning. Isn't that hard? That's just true this morning. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that Jesus says, share the news, share the news, share the news, share the news, share the news. And I've heard them so many times. Have you? You ever heard this before? If I said the Great Commission, how many light bulbs come? Oh, yeah, I know that one. Let's move on to something else. We heard that one before, Brad. I've heard this preached probably my entire life in church. I'm 31. I think I'll be 32 this year if I'm doing the math correctly. Um, And I've heard this, I grew up in church, and I've heard this over and over and over and over again. And I've preached this, I'll be honest, over and over and over and over again. And for 31, almost 32 years on the planet now, I've never seen anybody who does this. I've seen one guy who kind of tries. But I've never seen it. But this is the plan of God. It's, it's very easy instructions, isn't it? Like, I'm not even there yet, and you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've been around church very long. But can I just say this morning, and I know that sounds so, so down, and you're like, why are you just stepping on us this morning, Brad? I do not mean for today to be a message of condemnation to the church because I don't believe there's any condemnation now for those in Christ Jesus, what the Bible says. What I hope happens today is that the, the extreme hope comes up out of these moments. Amen. See, I've prayed for us and I've prayed for today that God would allow today to be different. So you can't preach if you don't believe eventually, right, that something's going to click for us. You'll, you'll quit. 
Right, like Moses wandered around with people for 40 years as they complained about, I want to go back to slavery so I can eat cucumbers. You don't keep leading people if you don't believe something can change. And I just want to say today, I believe with radical hope that today somebody, maybe even me, right, can, can hear this and it can make a difference in us that today our hearts would be broken for the cause and the news of the gospel. That we would realize today, this is not an enormous burden to the church. This is an enormous opportunity for the church that God didn't say today, hey, I want to lay this thing on you so you can be bad at it. He said, I believe in you. I wouldn't have told you this if I didn't. See, in reality today, there is a God who believes that you can do this, and it doesn't matter what you believe about how you can do this. This is a command to everyone who's ever come to know Christ Jesus. And if that's you today, God is standing behind you, championing you, and he's saying, I don't care what you didn't do yesterday. I just want you to know leaving today, I believe in you. I believe that today you can be this person. I believe today that you can actually go and you can actually tell that you today know enough if you know Jesus to be able to share this story with the people in your life who don't know it. You're the chosen broadcasting unit of God. So today, let's just dive into Matthew 28 and let's see what God says. That was pretty much the whole thing, right? Like we could pray and go. In Matthew 28, this is kind of towards the end of this chapter or towards the end of this book. And if you know anything about the Gospels, what we know is Jesus comes, he's born, he lives a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, he dies on a cross. He dies for your sins and my sins. They actually pierce his hands with nails and pierce his feet with nails. They beat him beyond the point of recognition. They lift him up kind of above the earth so everybody can see Jesus die. And Jesus suffocates to death on his own blood. That's what happened just a few days ago in the story. We talked about last week how after Jesus died, actually physically stopped breathing. They took Jesus down off the cross and they laid him in a borrowed tomb. He didn't need one of his own. He wasn't going to be there long. They rolled a stone in front of the door just to keep stuff out for a couple hours because it wasn't going to be long until Jesus came walking up out of that tomb. Jesus physically died, but Jesus physically rose. And I think that's an amazing thing today. You can't go find the body of Jesus because the body of Jesus is sitting on a throne in heaven. Jesus is alive. And in this point in the story, Jesus is already raised. And this is somewhere between zero and 40 days after the resurrection. I would lean closer to the 40. Jesus walked around on the planet after he was resurrected physically for about 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven. And this is right before that happens. And we enter the story about verse 16. And it says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. Not near Jerusalem, by the way, probably up to at least 70 miles away from Jerusalem. These disciples, they left out of there and they went to the northern region of Israel to a place called Galilee. Jerusalem is in Judea, the southern region of Israel. There's an area in the middle called Samaria. And then above that was Galilee. And that was the place that Jesus' family was from. That was the place that Jesus did a lot of his ministry out and around the Sea of Galilee where he called most of these disciples. And that was the place that Jesus had instructed the disciples to meet him after he was resurrected. Even the angel a couple times in some of the different stories said, tell the guys to go to Galilee where Jesus said to meet him, right? 
Jesus met with them before a few times. This is not the first time after the resurrection they've seen Jesus. Jesus met with them at least two times in a room. He met with some disciples on a road, and he, and he met with um, the, the women a couple times near the tomb, right? We've seen Jesus meet with these people a few times before, but this is important because this is probably the last time these men would ever see Jesus physically on the planet. It says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, took this journey up to the north of um, Israel. And it says to the mountain where Jesus had directed them, probably a place they'd been several times, a place where Jesus said, hey, this is where I'm going to meet with you at. And in 17, it says when they saw him, they worshiped. It's a good thing to do when you see the resurrected Jesus, by the way. But I want you to notice this. It says they worshiped, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? Here's the 11 guys who are the closest guys to Jesus on the planet. They spent the past three and a half years wandering around in the wilderness with Jesus. They show up to a resurrected Jesus who they've seen multiple times. And it says they all worshipped. Everybody worshipped. Not one or two guys worshipped or seven of the 11 worshipped. But everybody worshipped. But then it said some of those, even in their worship, doubted. Experience some of you just <laughs> just went through this morning, right? I'm no longer a slave of fear, and you're so afraid. It's possible. They all saw the resurrected Jesus, and in that moment, they all worshiped because, man, what an amazing thing to see this guy who did die on the cross, who's placed in the grave, who come up out of the grave. That's an amazing thing, and we can worship that. But I just want you to know, some of them didn't have it all together yet. Some of them still doubted, man, I don't know. I don't know. You're like, how can you do that? This is the disciples. Jesus talked about over and over again how he was going to die and how he's going to be resurrected. They've seen him a few times, and here we are. We're seeing him again, probably close to 40 days after the resurrection, and some of them are still doubting. Let me just ask you this. If you saw somebody you love today crucified, right? Maybe nails piercing their body, beaten beyond the point of recognition, lifted up above the earth for several hours as they suffocated on their own blood. They quit breathing and somebody jabs a spear in their side just to make sure. If you'd seen that and then just a few days later, they look fine other than a couple holes in their hands and one in their side and they're alive. Would you have an easy time with that? Anybody in the room? See, the crazy thing about this is, man, they had seen something so ridiculously bad. They, they had seen Jesus, the Son of God, their, their best friend, arguably. They'd seen him die on a cross in such a brutal way, to be killed and murdered in such a brutal way. Even after seeing him multiple times, it was still miraculous that he was there. It was still hard to believe that in front of them was this man they'd seen beaten in such a way and killed in such a way. It's still hard to take in. But they all worshipped. They didn't have it all together, but they all worshipped. Yeah, I just, I just want to say that today out loud because there's some of you today that don't have it all together and you feel kind of like the black sheep in the church. And I just want you to know, even the 11 guys that hung out with Jesus all the time didn't have it all together. Even the 11 guys that hung out with Jesus all the time, they still had doubt every once in a while. Even the 11 guys that hung out with Jesus all the time, their faith was still kind of shaky every once in a while. And I just want you to know that didn't count you out today. That doesn't keep you out of the story today. That doesn't mean Jesus won't talk to you today. And it doesn't mean Jesus won't use you today. It doesn't even mean Jesus won't tell you how he's going to use you today. 
He'll take care of the faith. He'll take care of that stuff. He'll help you. He'll help you step up out of that. It doesn't count you out of the story today. It says that they all worshipped, but some doubted. And then it said in 18, then Jesus came near. No? Okay. That's awesome. I love that. Some doubted, then Jesus came near. Jesus didn't say, I can't believe you. It's probably not Thomas, by the way. We'll, we want to blame Thomas, probably not him. Let's blame Bartholomew, just because we don't know. He didn't say, hey, Bartholomew, you got you to gotta leave up out of here. This is just for the real believers. He didn't say, Bartholomew, you can't be around because this is just for the people that have solid faith. He didn't say that. What Jesus did to remedy the problem of shaky faith is he stepped forward. I love it. Last week, didn't we talk about the, at the tomb, God invites us all the way down into the tomb, and he says, come look at the resurrection table. You, you, there's no smoke and mirrors here. See, Jesus wasn't afraid as he approached, they were going to notice, oh, this really isn't him, it's just some guy pretending to be him. Jesus wasn't afraid as he come close, they would realize, oh, this is just some ghost, this is not the bodily resurrected Jesus. He wasn't afraid of any of that stuff because he was really standing there. See, in reality, God's not afraid of our skepticism. He's not afraid of our shaky faith. He's not afraid of any of that stuff because there are no smoke and mirrors with God. You can take him at what he said, and he's inviting the skeptics over and over and over again, right? Like, what did he do with Thomas? I'm not going to believe unless I place my hand in his side. And he says, well, come on over. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you to believe. I'm not knocking you down because you don't have instant faith. I'm not knocking you down because you don't have the microwave version of this thing we call faith in Jesus. I'm not kicking you away because of any of that stuff. If it takes you a little longer, take your time, come in close. You can get as close to me as you want to get because I'm not afraid you're going to figure out somehow I'm not the real thing. Every time God says it, it is reality. And everything in this book, we can stake everything in the bank on and jesus shows that over and over and over again as he invites the skeptics in the church we want to be like oh you can't think that you can't talk about that you can't think that way and jesus would say come on hang out for a while come on stick around for a while and you'll figure it out just like everybody else that's ever really looked has figured it out there is something to the resurrection story and there is something to this jesus that we're talking about so he invites everybody in so everybody worships some doubted and jesus stepped into their doubt It says, then Jesus came near and he said to them, or he spoke. This is the first time we see that in this story. And Jesus says something amazing. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You're like, that's not a command. No, it's not. But before we get the command, we have to understand something today. And Jesus makes that very clear as he steps in to these 11 people. He says, I just want you to know, I'm about to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. It's actually kind of crazy. And some of you aren't really going to like it too much. But before we get there, we have to establish this baseline. I've been given all the authority in heaven, that's there, and on earth, that's here. And as long as you're on earth, I have the authority over you. Just so we know today, authority, I have the definition for that, it's back there. Authority is the power or the right to give orders, to make decisions, or to enforce obedience. This is what Jesus is talking about when he says, I have all the authority. What he's saying is, I have all the power. 
I have all the power. I have all the right to give orders. Some of you guys are like, that's not fair. Jesus can't tell me what to do. Yes, he can. He has all the authority. He can tell anybody and everything what to do. That's just who Jesus is. He's not some authority, Jesus. He's all authority, Jesus. It says that he can make the decisions. In other words, you don't get to make the decisions. Amen, hallelujah. You don't get to decide what you like and what you don't like or what you think's right and what you don't think's right. It means Jesus gets to make all the decisions. And by the way, he can enforce, whoa, look at that word, obedience. Not only does he give the, get the right to tell you what to do and to make all the decisions, he can enforce it. So Jesus steps down to these disciples and he gets right up in the doubt and he gets right up in the fear and he gets right up in this moment with all these people and he says, hey, I just want you to know, God gave me all the authority. I get to make all the decisions, I get to give all the orders and I get to enforce all the obedience. God gave me all the authority in heaven, isn't that amazing, and on earth. Now see, that's important today because whatever Jesus says, he gets to decide, right? Whatever Jesus said isn't a suggestion. It isn't merely a thing that he thinks we should do. It's a thing that he's saying, this is law today. This is the stuff not we might do, but we got to do is what he's saying. I'm leaving this place. And before I leave this place, I want you to know something. I have all the authority, which means everything I say goes. Not what you like, not what you're comfortable with, not what fits your personality type. Everything I say goes in heaven and here. That's what it looks like, by the way, to follow Jesus. That's the contract you're signing on to. Everything else is not following Jesus. You can't halfway follow Jesus or sometimes follow Jesus or maybe kind of sort of follow Jesus. It's either all or nothing. It's black or white. There's no gray area. Either I'm in or I'm out because he has all the authority. And he's looking at these men, these 11 men, and and he's saying to them, I just want you to know, I came, I died, I've been resurrected, and I'm about to go into heaven. But before I go, I want you to know, I'm not some authority, Jesus. I'm all authority, Jesus. And out of that comes this command. Now, I want you to realize today, before we go into this command, who exactly is given this command. Not me. You get mad at me if you want to. I'm just the messenger. I'm the pipeline. It was written before I was ever thought of. This conversation happened before I ever entered the story. Before you ever entered the story. But this Jesus who has all authority is about to say something to these guys. And after this conversation, he's gone. He's ascending. He's going to sit down on the throne because, you know, he rules, right? He's going to sit down on the throne. And he's going to watch the broadcast. And I love this because what he's about to say is the most important mission of the church, the most important mission of those that will call themselves followers of Jesus. And this is what he says. Go to church. Oh, that ain't there. Go be good. Go read. Go pray. Go 
take care of sick people. All those are good things, by the way. But all those are things like pretty much anybody can do, right? All those are things that are not specific to even being a, a Christian. We make like the weightiest thing possible, right? Like I'm going to go to church. And we expect God to be like, right on. Thank you. The weightiest thing possible, we're like, oh, go be moral people. He didn't even talk about that, did he? Is that there? Like, I'm all authority, Jesus. And he said, oh, do your best to be moral. That's, he didn't waste his time with that. But can I just say this? Aren't you glad? Anybody ever just sit in church and feel like, man, is this really all there is to it? Years. Years I sat in church and I thought, is this really it? Like, this is the thing that God is pleased with. Well, it must because it's a sacrifice, right? Because A, got to get up early and we got to come. Like, Sunday is the best day possible to sleep. You know that, right? Like, Saturday, that's a, that's a good sleep day. But Sunday, like, I don't even remember what it's like. But Sunday is a good sleep day. I don't know why. It's like the best day possible to sleep. You get the best rest on Sunday. That's just how it is. It's hard to get up on Sunday. It's a sac- I'm not acting like it's not a sacrifice. It is. It's hard to be good, isn't it? Somebody cuts you off, and what do you want to do? You want to shoot them the bird and cuss them. That's what you want to do. And there's this moral part of you that's like, I have that Jesus bumper sticker on my car, and that could be the preacher. You ever thought that as you're fussing at somebody? I'm going to let you know. You honk at me, I'm going to be a jerk to you. I'm not trying to be moral. I figured it out. I drive very slow if you honk at me, and I won't let you by. <laughs> but we pretend like, man, that's like the, the, the sole mission of the church, isn't it? Like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to come to church, that's my sacrifice, thank you, Lord. Or maybe we're like, man, I'm going to serve, I'm going to greet, I'm not happy in the morning, I have to drink seven gallons of coffee even to get here, and then the most I can do is like, hey, you know. I'm not pretending like that's not a sacrifice, and I'm not pretending like that's not like a noble thing, but really, like anybody can do that, right? You don't have to know Jesus to be moral. I know plenty of moral people that have no interest in Jesus. More moral than some of us, right? Like more moral than me, some of them. See, the reality is like moralism, it's false anyway. Just because I can control my body doesn't mean that I can control my heart. See, the issue was never an actions issue. It was a heart issue. That's why Jesus came and he said things like, hey, if you've ever looked at somebody with with hatred, then you've committed murder, right? If you ever looked at a woman and you've desired her, then you've committed lust. It's not about controlling your actions. It's about controlling your heart. None of us can do that because we have broken hearts. We have dead, nasty, filthy hearts. And although Jesus is concerned about our actions, I'm not going to lie about that. Jesus does care what we do, and he does care how we act, and he does care how we represent his kingdom. We're representatives of him, and while you have your Christian t-shirt on, you probably ought to act like a decent person. That's just the reality of it, right? That's not the sole mission of the church. Thank the Lord. Because I sat in a a church for years, and and I remember, like, at first, it was like, oh, that's cool. I got saved. I'm not going to hell. And about three Sundays in, I was like, I want to stay at home and watch cartoons. Because I realized, man, there's, there's music, and it's okay. And there's a message, and it's okay. But this feels empty. 
And then it's like, oh, I'll do stuff. And that was cool for a while. Right? Like I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to like be this thing. I dressed up as a line for upward basketball. That was like my first way into the ministry, by the way. It was dumb. There's probably pictures of it somewhere. I hope not, but there probably are. And, and like for a while it was cool. I like woke up and I was like excited. Let's go to church Saturday morning and, and let's do this thing. And then it became empty. And then I picked another ministry, and it became empty. And then I picked another ministry, and it became empty. It was just empty after empty after empty after empty because it couldn't fulfill me because ultimately that was not the goal God had for me is just to do some ministry. It's a good thing. It's a sacrifice. We should all do it. In some way, shape, or form, we should all be ministering. God is real about that in the book, right? But it's not the sole mission of the church, thank the Lord, because it will leave us empty. Songs going to leave us empty. You know what? There's always going to be a new song. And eventually you realize all the new songs sound like all the old songs. It's the same words. We just rearrange them and put new chords with it. It's all the same. And it's going to leave us empty. Because there was only one command, right? That Jesus gave the church at the end. All those other things, man, they're good things. All those other things are beautiful things. And all those other things, they're they're they're... They're part of it, but this thing right here, I believe, is like the sole reason the church still exists on the planet. It's the sole reason that God doesn't just call you home when you say that prayer. See, in reality, God has a mission for the church. And the mission for the church is not get a bigger building. The mission for the church is not have the coolest logo. The mission for the church is not go try to amass everybody else's Christians. The mission for the church is this. It says, go. That's not the mission. We all go. That's what we do. But it says, go because of this, or actually the translation is, as you are going. See, Jesus knew these disciples were not going to stand on this mountain for the rest of their lives. Just like Jesus knows, we ain't going to sit in here on Sunday until we leave this place. See, we come in this place and we hear things and then we leave this place. Jesus knows the pattern and he's saying to them and to us, as you are going today, as you exit the doors today, as the last song wraps up and the message is over and and you head out today, as you are going, because I have all the authority, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and make disciples. That's what he says. That's in the book right there. Not go to church, not go be good, not go um, change your radio station. All those are good things. But what he says is, I want you to go, and as you are going, I want you to make disciples. I want you to tell the gospel story is what he's saying. I want you to tell the gospel story. I want you to go, you physically, you, 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 you. Everybody that knows the gospel story, I want you to leave up out of this place and I want you to tell the gospel story. Now see, we've changed this. We've changed this to what? Go invite people to church. Why? Because that's easier actually than telling the gospel story. I'll just tell them to come to church and then the preacher can tell the gospel story because he's gifted and talented in that area. That's not true. And it's not the intent. And then, here's the kicker, we've modified it even more. We changed it from go make disciples to go invite people to church, but that was like 20 years ago. Now we changed it to go blend in 
And don't say anything because people might think it's weird. And then just give some money so we can get nicer lights and we can get cooler sound stuff and we can get a bigger building. And maybe one of those things will get people to come to church. I read an article the other day that said Christians have quit inviting people to church. I won't do this because this is going to look bad. But if I said today, who invited somebody to church this week, we would be shocked. Wouldn't we? Some of you are thinking, yeah, I didn't do that. Let me just get you this. 99% of you are thinking, yeah, I didn't do that. And we sat around, why is nobody here? Why is nobody here? We got cool lights. Why, no, why nobody come today? Why, why nobody come? They, they did the cool set today. They did the, they did the jumpy song today. Why nobody come? Well, let me just give you just step one, because you didn't ask them. Cubicle next to you, not here, because you didn't say anything. Teacher in the room next to you, not here, you didn't say anything. Kid at school that sits beside you every single day, not here, because you didn't say anything. Lady at the Walmart, not here because you didn't say anything. Every one of those people are not here because nobody asked any of those people to be here. There's a lot of people today waiting and ready for somebody to just say, hey, come to church with me. How many of you guys, let's do this poll, right? How many of you guys are at church today because somebody asked you at some point in time to come? Like everybody here, right? You didn't just wander in today, probably. No, it wasn't maybe one or two of you, but most of you didn't just come in because you're like, I really like that color blue on the sign. You know why? Because the color blue doesn't matter. None of you just drove by probably and heard like thumping music and were like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and see what's going on. Nobody was attracted to, I saw them tweet one time a picture of their gray chairs and I was like, man, that is a place for me. What we do is we say, the preacher should have preached harder, and then there'd be more people here. No, there wouldn't, because nobody would have known it, because nobody that sits here would have opened their mouth when we left. Man, the band, they should play these kind of songs. No, it doesn't matter, because there, nobody out there is going to know, because nobody that sits here says anything to anybody out there. How are they going to know what goes on in here if people in here don't go out there and say something? So that's like step one, right? Some of you guys, I'm not, I'm not jumping for the big thing today. I'm not like, you know what, let's go from I don't talk to people about my faith all the way to making disciples. That's a, that's a big jump today. It wasn't a big jump 20 years ago. Just like today, it, it, the starting place is not there is a God, you just need to figure out who he is. The starting place today is you have to convince people actually that there is a God. That wasn't true 20 years ago. It's changed. It's changed a little bit. And I'm not saying Jesus' command is different. I wholeheartedly believe that this is for everybody in the church. But here's what I'm saying. If you can't even walk up to somebody and say, hey, come to church with me, and run off, <laughs> you probably don't need to run up and say, hey, you're dying and going to hell, but Jesus saves, and run off. <laughs> probably not the step for you today. But for some of you today, maybe the step is, I'm going to ask people again to come to church. Some of you have done it before, like way back in the day, right? Like 100 years ago, you were like, hey, you should come to church with me. And then you quit because people didn't come. Can I just say today, there, there's somebody sitting here who asked their, who's been praying for their family to come to know Jesus for like six years. And, and they came last week. And Jesus has not completed that prayer yet. 
But they left this place and they were talking about all the cool things that happened in this place. And they got to have conversations that actually turned out to be spiritual conversations. It started with, does he rehearse for the message? And ended at, no, but the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Here's when he got saved. Here's when God called him to preach. Here's how God told him he needs to read the Bible. That's a spiritual conversation that started with, I'm going to pray for six years for you to show up. That ended with, I'm going to show up. And then here's the conversation that came out of that. Some of you guys just quit too early. I asked them that one time, they didn't come. Well, why don't you ask them again? Why don't you pray and then ask them? How about that? Why don't you actually be concerned about their salvation and then ask them? See, the reality of it is we don't ask people because we just really don't care enough to ask people. We've somehow lost the reality that people without Jesus are dead and headed to hell. And when we just erased all that and decided, let's just put money in the thing, get more lots, and eventually people will come. And I'm just saying, it's not going to work podcast not gonna do it cool lots not gonna do it music not gonna do it we can do any kind of music available on the planet there's some churches that even do secular music trying to draw a crowd you know what they don't draw anybody different that's not how it works so maybe for some of us today it's hey why don't you go back to inviting people to come to church and then maybe see what god does But can I just say today, if you do that, I don't want you to rest in that. Because that's not the call of the church. Man, that's the training wheels of the church. That's the, let's keep this bicycle upright of the church. But that's not the call of the church. That's not the, let me feel good about my relationship with God because I'm doing half the command of the church. Jesus said, I'm all authority. Jesus, I make all the decisions. I have all the say. And all the say is go make disciples, not go invite. That's the, that's the kiddie pool. That's the starting place. That's where we wade into the waters of having spiritual conversations. That's where we get started. But it's not the end. So for those of you who are inviting people to church, I just want to say, why don't you try to turn those conversations deeper now? You're like, what do you mean? I don't know enough about my faith. Well, let me ask you this. Has Jesus done anything in your life? Anything at all? Do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, you know enough to know what he does, right? I am a sinner and I am saved because Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. That's the gospel right? That's the whole thing. That's not a flowery version. That's not the intellectual version. Maybe somebody's going to have a good argument for why that doesn't work, but here's your argument for why it does. It worked for me. I don't know what it's going to take for you, right? The skeptic steps into the room and he's like, hey, I don't believe that. You say, well, that's great, but I do. I don't have to convince you that the gospel is the real thing. I know it. I've lived it. I've experienced it. I was dead, and now I'm headed towards heaven, and the only explanation for that is Jesus. And that's all I know. And that's all I got. And if you need more than that, I got a friend you can talk to, or you can come to church with me, and you can talk to the preacher. You can come to Bible study. You you can come to prayer meeting. You can come wherever. We'll find you a church, and we'll find you somebody that knows what you want to know. But I want you to know I was dead, and Jesus made me alive. And there ain't nothing you can say that's going to change that for me. 
I just want to say today, and I know that seems like a lofty thing. Is it hard, though? Like what I just said, is that hard? But you're like, I don't think that's going to work. Why does it matter? He didn't say go save people. He said go share the story of Jesus. In sharing the story of Jesus, I'll be honest with you, the worst gospel presentation I've ever made was the first one somebody got saved at. I confused myself, and they stood up. You know why? Because God wanted to say to me, it's never going to be about your words. It's never going to be about how good of a job you do. It's always a work of the Holy Spirit. And as long as you know, we start at sin and we end with the Savior. As long as you know that, and as long as you can get people through, I was a sinner, Jesus died on the cross, He rose from the grave, and I'm headed towards heaven. That's enough. That's enough for somebody. God does the calling. We just share the message. God, God does the calling. We, we just share the news. It's not up to us. And today I just want to say to you guys, even though that seems lofty and maybe hard and maybe intimidating, there is a God who left this as a command for the church because he believed you could do it. You may never believe you can do it. You, but I just want to say today, why don't you just do this with me? There's somebody in your life today, right, that doesn't know Jesus. Why don't you pray for that person? But why don't you pray like this? God, I know the story. Let me share it. And you do with it what you want to do. God, I know the message. Let me share it. Give me boldness to share it. And then you do with it what you want to do with it. I know it's not my job to save. That's you. It's just my job to tell. And whatever they do with the news, that's between you and them. But today I'm available and today I'm ready and today I'm willing. See, we talked about this idea a few weeks ago that we could pray and then we could sow and then we could see. And today I just want to invite you into that today. Let's pray for those people, right? Let's pray for those people in our lives, those people that are in your family, those people that work at your work, those people that go to school with you. Let's pray for those people today and then let's leave with the mentality that I have the seed and I just have to put it in the ground. I have the seed and I have to put it in the ground and then I'm gonna sit back and I'm gonna watch. Maybe I cultivate the ground. Maybe I have to do a little work along the way, but I'm gonna sit back and watch because I believe that God is the one who saves It's not my job to pray, sow, and reap. That's a God thing. It's only my job to pray and then to sow and then to sit back and watch and to see what God can do and what God will do if we're willing to step into the call that he has for us. I'll say to you today, God intends the church to be more than coming in a building and singing some songs. God intends the church to be more than coming in a building and hearing over and over and over again a message that we could repeat, that we could write down, that we could share. See, the reality of it is some of you started today with the place of, I've heard this before, I've heard this before, I've heard this before, and I believe God's saying back to you, what's your excuse then? If I had to preach it again next week, I think God would be pleased with that. If I had to preach it again the week after that, I think God would be pleased with that. If I had to preach it from now till the end of time, I think God would be pleased with that because here's the reality. If this doesn't happen, we'll never see a church that grows and we'll never see a city saved. God didn't say come invite them to church. He didn't say come build a kingdom. He said come and share the message. Come and share the message. Can I just ask you today, who in your life needs to hear that message? 
Anybody got anybody? Maybe just anybody got anybody you know? They need it. They need it. Can I just ask you this? What if nobody else cares? What if nobody else ever takes it? What happens then? What's the fallout of that? What's the end result of that? What's your work going to look like when, when, when eternity just kind of starts and reality shuts down? What's it going to look like? How many of them are going to step into heaven with you and how many of them are going to go the other way? And you met them every single day at the door. And maybe the most you ever got out was come to church with me. Better nothing, but what if they don't? What if in your house today there are people that need the message of Jesus and you don't care enough to set up at night and pray over these people? You don't, you don't care enough to, to, to express to them the, your desire to see them come to know Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the good news. The bad news is you're dead. I don't have to give you that. Everybody knows that. The good news is you don't have to be. What if you're the only one that ever tells, does, what if you're the only one that ever has the opportunity and you never take it? What's the end result of that? What's the fallout of that? I'll just say today, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into anything because guilt will only work for the next 30 minutes. What I'm saying is there's a God who put you in that home because he believes that you can share the message with that person. There's a God who placed you at work as your mission field. You didn't get that job because you like walked in the door one day and had a good interview. You got that job because God said, I'm putting one of mine right here. I'm putting one of mine in that cubicle. I'm putting one of mine in that office. I'm putting one of mine in that broom closet. I'm putting one of mine behind that cash register because I want somebody in the middle of the opposition that can stand in the darkness, surrounded by death, and say, there is hope. And his name is Jesus God today didn't put you there by happenstance or chance. He put you there today because he believes you can do it. The only reason you have that job or that place or that home is because he believes you can be a lighthouse in the middle of that dark place. And what he's saying to you today is under the power of me, go. And as you are going, make disciples. Peter, I believe, brother, you can do it. I know just a few days ago, you were doubting me and you were denying me. I believe you can do it. Bartholomew, I know right now you had your hand up, but everything in you said this isn't possible. But what I want you to know today is I believe in you. I'm sending you out under the wind of the sails of the Holy Spirit today. Everything in you is filled with me. And I believe in you. You can do it. Go and make disciples. Leave this place and make a difference. Leave this place and change your home and your workplace, your community and the world. Let's pray.